This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Please, this morning to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Uh, reading from verse 1. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him asked, what he, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we have taken no bread? But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have, no, because you have bought, brought no bread? Why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000, how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000, and how many large baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? And then they understood what he had, that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. <coughs> the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 uh, is recorded in all four Gospels. In fact, it's the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. The feeding of the 4,000 is only recorded in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark. Now, some say that this was a mistake by the copyists, uh, that they had uh, mistakenly put this in as two. And it is true that there are similarities in both accounts. Uh, for example, both accounts say uh, that, the, the, there was, that there was people there who were hungry. Jesus had compassion on them. He got them to sit down. He broke bread and there was loaves and fishes, and there was baskets left over. And so all of that is similar in both stories, that they were with him for three days. But there was also some differences, important differences in both accounts. For example, they both happened at different locations. And because they happened at different locations and different times, there are some who say, we can't be sure, there are some who say that the 5,000 were mainly Jews, and because of the location of the 4,000, they might have been mainly Gentiles. Be that as it may, we can't be sure. However, the numbers were certainly different, 5,000 and 4,000. The baskets left over were different. There was 12 in the 5,000, and there were 7 in the 4,000. In fact, the very term basket is different in the two accounts. 
and the 5,000 account, the baskets were small. They would be small ones that somebody would carry their lunch in. There's 12 of those. But on the 4,000 account, there were large baskets. They were like big hampers, and there were seven of those. <coughs> but Jesus himself ends all such arguments about this just being one miracle. Because in our text here in Matthew 16, he clearly tells us it was two miracles fitting of the 4,000, the fitting of the 5,000. Now, we don't know how much time elapsed between these two miracles. We do know in John's account, he said the little boy had five barley loaves. And so maybe that implies that it was just after the barley harvest, which was in the springtime. When the 4,000 were fed, it may have been a few weeks after that. It may have been a few months at the most but it was probably quite a short time in reality. But the message that really I want to bring to you this morning is what Jesus replied in answer to his disciples' misunderstanding of what he said in verse 6. Now, he just had a run-in again with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were asking him for a sign as opposed to show his credentials as a Messiah. Well, you say you're, the, you're a Messiah. Well, give us a sign. Show us then. And of course, Jesus said, well, the only sign you're going to get is a sign of Jonah the prophet. And then he walked off and left them to try to figure that one out. Now, the disciples we saw had forgotten to bring bread on their journey. And so when Jesus said in verse 6, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, they thought he was referring somehow cryptically to them forgetting to bring a few loaves of bread. But actually we saw he wasn't. He was referring to the, the doctrines of the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, in verse 9, he said, do you not remember? Do you not understand? Do you not remember? If it had been us, we would have said, are you thick? <laughs> That's what we would have said. But Jesus is a bit more diplomatic. He said, do you not remember? Have you so easily forgotten? You know, where is your faith? Even if I was talking about bread that you had forgotten, even if I was referring to that, do you not remember how I fed you with five loaves and two fishes? Do you don't remember the 4,000 to 5,000? Have you forgotten that so easily? So when he said, do you not remember, do you not understand? It's hard to believe that they would have physically, literally forgotten the feeding of 9,000 people, especially when they had a, a first-hand uh, account of it, when they were there actually dishing out that food. So it's hard to remember that they would actually literally have forgotten that. So I don't think that's what Jesus is saying, that they had literally forgotten it. But they weren't putting it together. They weren't actually putting the whole thing together, were they? That's what he's really saying. Do you not remember? Do you not understand? He was expressing his shock that they were thinking of their present need of bread, and they didn't relate that to their former need of bread. Here they were, and they had a need, a need that Jesus had met twice before, not so long ago, and they couldn't relate their, relate their present need to their former needs that Jesus had already met. Now, here's the point. How quickly do we forget in that sense that in our present need, whatever our present need is, that the Lord had met our former need? 
which may have been exactly the same. How easily we forget that. How do we do that? In our present need, whatever it may be, if we would stop and think, but God, you have already met my needs many, many, many times. And all you've got to do is just look back over your life and see how he met those needs. But the disciples couldn't put that together. And Jesus was shocked. Do you not remember? Do you not understand? You can almost feel he's exasperated. At one time he says, how long must I be with you? Where is your faith? And so I say to you, I say to me today, do we not remember? Do we so easily forget what God has done for us in the past? Can he not meet this present need since he's met all other needs in the past? And so we've got to remember our past victories. Do you remember the story in David and Goliath and how that Saul, looking at David, said, you're not able to fight this Goliath. Because David says, well, if nobody's going to take this giant on, I'll take him on. I, there's a cause. I'll do it. But he says, you're only a youth. You're a stripling. You're only a lad. But Goliath has been a warrior from his youth. Look at the size of the man. He was nine feet tall. You're not able to do this. Remember what David said? He says, when I was looking after my father's sheep and a lion and a bear came and took one of the lambs, he says, I went after him and I caught him with a beard and I killed him. I killed the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine <laughs> shall be like one of those because he defied the armies of the living God. <laughs> he remembered his past victories. And because he remembered it so clearly, he related that till his present difficulty, his challenge he's going to face today with a giant. He said, it's okay, king. I've already handled the lion and the bear. I can handle this Philistine. God's with me. In, in, Psalm, in Psalm 77, Psalm is a beautiful psalm, actually, Psalm 77. This is the psalm of Asaph. Asaph had written a number of psalms. He was one of David's choir directors. And in this particular psalm, uh, the context, the setting, we believe, is it's certainly set in Judah. And the northern kingdom, which was called Israel, and Judah was the southern kingdom, time of the divided kingdom, it had almost 100 years prior to this, had been taken into captivity. The Assyrians had come in, even though God had warned them and warned them and warned them, they wouldn't listen. The Assyrians came in, took many of them way, way captive, left some of them, and then as always what they would do, these conquering nations, they would bring people from other nations they had conquered, and they would mix them with whoever was left in that nation they had just conquered. And, and so these pagans from other nations come in and mix with the Israelites who were left and out of that came the Samaritans. That's how the Samaritans came about with their kind of uh, pseudo-worship you know, of worshipping God but yet worshipping idols at the same time. And so they had been taken into captivity and Judah uh, had lasted another hundred years since then. 
But now things were beginning to, the prophets, the Jeremiah especially, the weeping prophet, he warned them and he warned them and he warned them. Habakkuk, the other prophet, he also warned and he tried to figure out why God was going to let this happen. And the warning was that the Chaldeans, the Babylonians are coming and they're going to take you captive. But there was no repentance. In fact, they stoned Jeremiah. They wouldn't listen to the prophet. And so Asaph, the psalmist here, he's thinking about what's going to happen. He really is thinking about it. And he said, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice. He gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. <clears throat> so we see he's, he's thinking of what's ahead and it's not good. It's a nightmare ahead. And he's thinking about that. And he's talking to God about it. And he's worried about, he's worried sick about this because this is not going to end good, he's thinking. And nobody's listening to the prophets. He said, you hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled I cannot speak. And otherwise, when I go to bed at night, I can't even sleep. My eyelids are open. I can't even sleep for thinking about this. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. I, I remembered in times past, in troubles, when I had a song in the night. But I don't have a song in the night right now. In fact, I can't even get my eyes closed to sleep. I'm sleepless. I'm worried sick about what's going to happen. Then he says, will the Lord cast us off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? And his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? He, has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. Selah means think about that. Consider that. Meditate on that. He's pausing here and he's thinking, God, have you totally forgotten about us? Have you no mercy left? Are you going to leave us? This is what he's thinking. And I said, this is my anguish, or my infirmity, it may say in your scripture. This is my weakness. This is my concern. This is what I'm really worried about. This is my anguish. This is what's really causing me to lose my sleep at night. But notice how it changes. First half, it's all fear. Second half, faith begins to rise. Amen. Things begin to change. And you get this often in the Psalms. He said, I will remember. Then I said my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. The right hand of God, the strong hand. The Bible speaks about the right hand of God. It's talking about the deliverance of God, the power of God, the strong hand of God. And I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of all your deeds. Your way of God is in the sanctuary, in the holy place, the place where God's presence is. Who is so great? A God as our God. You're the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among your peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. You can see his old attitude is beginning to change, isn't it? He's remembering that God has got a right hand. He's remembering that God can and does deliver. 
He's remembering the power of God. The water saw you, O God. Now he's looking away back to the Exodus here. The water saw you, O God. The water saw you, and they were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound. Your arrows or the lightning also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So he's looking away back to the Exodus. He's looking away back to the Red Sea and how God stepped in and did miraculous things and opened up that Red Sea. And so that encourages him. Now he's much more positive. Now he's motivated. Now he's saying, God, no matter what happens, I believe you're still a mighty God and you've still got your right hand. See how things begin to change when you remember your past victories. Remember, secondly, the other times when God met your need. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So easy to forget the benefits of God, isn't it? Often we just take them for granted. That was Psalm 103 too. Psalm 63 verse 6 and 7. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore in the shadow of your wings I rejoice. Jonah 2 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. When my soul fainted within me, when I was at my lowest ebb, I remembered the Lord. Sometimes you have to look back and remember how God met your need in the past. Particularly if you're facing a present need and you're struggling and it doesn't seem to be working, then look back and say, God, you met my need then and you can meet my need today. Remember God's promises, the promises of God. Isaiah 43, 2 and 3. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Ah, whatever you're going through, remember the Lord is with you in the midst of it. Remember his promises. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Glory to God. And so God is good, isn't he? And God has got many, many great promises for us to keep. First Corinthians chapter 10. In verse 12 and 13. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you're able, but with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That was uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 and 13. 
And in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, you didn't need to turn to this. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Isn't that good? The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation, out of difficulties, out of tests, out of trials, whatever way they come. God knows how to deliver us from all of those things. Then I want you to remember God's mercies. Psalm 103, 17. His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. His mercy is to all generations. Psalm 108 and 4. For your mercy is great above the heavens and your truth reaches unto the clouds. And then this lovely famous one, Lamentations 3, 21, 22. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every day you open your eyes, God's got a mercy for you that day. Every single day, God's mercy is in your life. So we need to remember all of these things. Jesus says, do you not remember? Look back to a few weeks ago or a few months ago or a few years ago. Look back and see the goodness of God. Do you not remember the mercies of God? You know, we're celebrating 40 years here, and as Clifford said, in the early days, I mean, that was just, wow, it was, there's times it was just so difficult. It would have been so easy to throw in the towel and say, it's not working, give up, all the rest of it. But we just couldn't do that because we remembered the goodness of God. And so we look back, and that's what we're going to do this month coming. We're going to look back and remember the faithfulness of our God. In spite of everything, God was faithful in it all. When it seemed like it couldn't work, when it seemed like we had to close, when it seemed like people didn't want to come, when it seemed all of those things, but God was faithful. And all we had to do was just hang in there and just trust God. And we did. And look what happened. God was faithful. So we need to remember, we need to remember what God has done through us. We need to remember what God has done through us. See, sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we get feeling low. And we may wonder in our Christian lives, have we ever made a difference? Do you ever think that in your Christian? Have I ever made a difference? Have I ever done anything? Have I ever accomplished anything at all for the kingdom of God? And when you start to think that way, the enemy of your soul will tell you you're useless, you're hopeless, you're a failure, you did nothing. What kind of Christian do you call yourself? And all that stuff goes on in your mind. But listen to this. Hebrews 6 and 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name. How? What labor of love is he talking about? In that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. <laughs> Anything you have ever done for another believer in Christ, God has marked that down. He's recorded that as a labor of love. <laughs> Matthew 10, 40, Even if you give a cup of cold water in my name to one of these, you shall not lose your reward. <laughs> just a cup of cold water. Surely you have done that. 
something as small as that, something you'd hardly even think was a blessing, maybe just a cup of cold water, but done in his name to one of his people, God said, you shall not lose your reward. So sometimes you have to remember what you have done for the kingdom of God. And you know, you'll maybe never ever stand on a platform. Maybe never preach in your life. Maybe never sing. Maybe never play an instrument. But maybe you have blessed somebody. Maybe you saw another Christian in need. And you thought, do you know what? I can help that person. And you slip them a few pounds. <laughs> you know, or you put an arm around, or you make that phone call, or you pay that visit, or something. Every one of those things you're doing for the kingdom of God. You're a blessing. Keep doing those things. When John the baptizer was in prison, he had lost his perspective, didn't he? It seemed that all his preaching was in vain. It seemed to be that all of those calls for national repentance, it seemed to be it was a waste of time. All the thousands who got baptized under John when he was in prison, all of that seemed a waste of time. Why did I do that? What did that accomplish? That did no good. He even got to the place where he wondered, is Jesus the Messiah? Really, is he? I'm not sure that he is anymore. He lost his perspective in the difficult season of life. And sometimes in our difficult seasons of life, we lose our perspective. And John was no different. He was a man of flesh and blood. He was a great man. He was a strong man. He was a powerful preacher. But in his difficult season, he thought, do you know what? I don't think I've done anything. In fact, I think I've made a great big mistake. I don't even think he is the Messiah. So he sent two of his men and said, to Jesus, are you he that should come or do we look for another? That's what he's thinking. And in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus gives a reply to that, doesn't he? says in chapter 11 verse 1 now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ he sent two of his disciples and said to them are you the coming one or do we look for another and Jesus answered and said to them go tell John the things which you hear and see the blind see the lame walk the lepers are cleansed the deaf hear the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them and blessed is he who is not offended because of me and they departed and Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John what did you go out in the wilderness to see a reed shaken in the wind but what did you go out to see a man clothed in soft garments indeed those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses but what did you go out to see a prophet yes and I say to you more than a prophet for this is he of whom it is written behold I send my messenger before your face he will prepare your way before you he goes on to say that John was the greatest prophet who ever lived. He told those two men, go back and tell John what you see and hear. And he'll realize, no, he was right. He'll get his perspective back. He'll soon see that I am the Messiah, that he was right in pointing everybody to me. Yes, when he pointed everybody to Jesus, then the disciples 
by and large left John. But he says, he must increase, I must decrease. That was okay with John until he got into prison. And then he lost his perspective. And Jesus says, no, you were right all along. Everything you did was right. And it was for me and it was for my kingdom. So that was to remind him. So sometimes we need to be reminded, even if it's just a cup of cold water. And above all, we need to remember what God has done to us what God has done to us. He has redeemed us. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. He has washed us clean in his own blood. He's made us the righteousness of God in Christ. He's made us heirs and joint heirs with his son. We're accepted in the beloved. He's seated us in heavenly places in Christ. He's recorded our names in the Lamb's book of life. He has made us kings and priests unto God. He's made us ambassadors. He's made us witnesses, testifiers, overcomers, more than conquerors. He has made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. He has planted our feet on the rock of ages. He has hidden us in the cleft of his rock. Amen. And that's only some of the things that he's done to us. Glory to God. So do you not remember in your present difficulty today and mine? Do we not remember what God has done for us and to us and with us? Do we not remember his mercies? Do we not remember our past victories, his promises? There's so much to look back and say, God, the God that was with us then is the God that's with us now. The God who delivered us then is the God who delivered us now. The God who met our need then is the same God who will meet our need today. He's no different. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Glory to his name. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you do not change. You're the unchanging changer. And we bless you today for so many times in our lives we can look back on and see your good hand at work. Sometimes we didn't see it at the time, but in hindsight, we see, Lord, how clearly you met that need, how you moved in our lives behind the scenes and brought us to the place where we even we are today, even sitting in this house. So we give you thanks, Lord, for all that you have done in the past, for all that you're doing to us today, and we thank you for all the plans you have for us in the future. We bless you for this, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.